Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all? It's been a long lockdown, but alhamdulillah, finally, we've just finished a weekend without lockdown. Now, it seems like an eternity since we had that, didn't we? But alhamdulillah, 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 things are looking good. We are making progress. Vaccinations are on the up, which means uh, hopefully, I don't want to jinx it, but hopefully, it seems like we're seeing the end phase, the last few uh, troubling times of this COVID-19 pandemic that hit us last year. But Alhamdulillah, whatever happens, the show goes on. This is the buzz, your favorite bi-weekly podcast from all of us here at the Soul Hive. Now, don't tell me you need an introduction to Soul Hive because if you are watching this by now, I'm sure you know what the Soul Hive is. We are a bunch of like-minded individuals who want to create positivity, who want to influence people towards goodness. And that is based on our beautiful deen, which is Islam. Alhamdulillah, here it is, another brand new episode of The Buzz. I'm sure you've been excited to find out what today is all about. I will not relieve, re- reveal that. I, I'll leave that to my podcast partner, Sheikh Omar Yusuf, who is just about to join us. Let's say, Salam, Assalamu Alaikum, Ya Sheikh. How's it going? Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, Samir. How are you? Uh, absolutely nice catching up with you once again, Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's nice talking to you yet again, perhaps this time with a more happier mood, because as you mm. said, like uh, we've come out of COVID-19, I mean, not totally, but at least out of the lockdown, uh, which is yep. which is really uh, good news for us Sri Lankans, because we've been, you know, muddled with a lot of thought over the past few weeks, because, you know, so much of so many loved ones, we've lost them. And uh, subhanAllah, so many people got affected with COVID-19, a lot of mental uh, stress and stuff like that. Alhamdulillah, things are getting better and hopefully uh, it will get much better than what it is today, inshallah ta'ala. That's what we expect, inshallah. And uh, let's pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that uh, he gets the, the best times to come in the future, inshallah, and, you know, uh, boost our situation uh, much more than what we were even before COVID, inshallah ta'ala. That's, that's a prayer that we have. Uh, let's hope that we get back there, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Looking forward to it. I, for one, I'm super excited about the next couple of months because... Um, 
T20 World Cup is coming up. You know me. Where there's cricket, I become crazy. So, yeah. all preparations for that. Uh, looking forward to some fun, some good games, some excitement. Making preparations to head to UAE, inshallah. In a couple of days, I fly off. So, looking forward to that. Hmm. Uh, anyway, Sheikh, not about me. This is not about me. Tell me, who's our special guest today? Let's talk about him. So, today, um, let me introduce him to all of you for a difference, inshallah. Because I, I have a very personal connection with the guest himself today. Uh, so he is uh, Dr. Rice Mustafa. I actually call him Uncle Rice. Uh, we've had a personal uh, connection with him as a family friend. So he uh, is by profession, he's a pediatrician and uh, he actually studied in Sri Lanka and he went to the UK to you know, finish his further studies. After his further studies, he continued serving the NHS, which is the National Health Service in the UK. And currently today, he is uh, one of the senior pediatrician uh, at a very uh, prominent hospital in the UK known as uh, the Harley Street Hospital. But what is ironic about him is that I like the fact that, you know, unlike other pediatricians, he has two unique uh, area that he specializes himself in, which is the fact that he uses the Quran to inculcate it within his profession. So that's something very special that I see of him. And he also uh, has, you know, a lot of community service under his name. He also has started a few establishments through which he fosters education to the public on child development. So he is an overall a dynamic personality, I should say. And I, I consider him as a mentor to me as well. So let us get him in, in the show today and see what he has to say to us. Assalamu alaikum, Doctor. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. I'll tell you what, Doctor. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Uh, Absolutely it, a pleasure. It, it, it's not easy to get Sheikh Umar to speak so much at the beginning of a show. And I, I'm, I'm quite convinced of all the shows that we've had so far. Uh, this is the longest ever introduction we've given to a guest. So that shows uh, in, in what high regard Sheikh Umar holds you. Mashallah, from what he's said so far, I can only understand why that is. I hope you're yeah, doing well. I know, uh, because, um, I know Sheikh uh, Yusuf Mufti is a very close friend of mine. And then we have had uh, dinner with, the, with them and their family. And he, he, he has been growing on our lap. And uh, looking forward for his, uh, you know, for his uh, LLM uh, convocation. To, to host him inshallah, again. Inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. Inshallah. Okay. Looking forward to Dr. Inshallah. Okay. May Allah bless us. May Allah reward us. Uh, doctor, just let's get into the conversation straight, inshallah. There is a common question that we ask most doctors. Why did you get into, uh, you know, this profession of becoming a doctor? Why did you choose it? What is the reason behind it? So I'm not going to ask that question from you because it's a very common question. And, and the answer is pretty much the same from everybody. But what I'm going to talk about today with you is the niche factor that you have within you, which is, you know, how you have taken the Quran into your profession and the other aspect of how you focus on uh, child development uh, along with the work that you do today. So, Doctor, can you tell us what is the inspiration behind allowing the Quran to impact you and why did you get into it and how did the Quran, in fact, or the beautiful religion that we follow, change your profession itself? That's a beautiful question. Okay, so actually, you know, when I was a medical student, so you start from that period, um, before entering to medical school, I was, uh, you know, 
I was interested in Islam. I'm trying to learn some Islam. And when I was into medical school, during the medical school time, so I used to meet some um, Ustad, you know, particularly some Nalimis and, you know, people. So uh, so those uh, Ustads, they taught me uh, Arabic language and they, they taught me Islam and I was listening and learning from so many scholars, right, across the board, not from, from one particular thought. But the different schools of thoughts, I was learning quite, I was very open and learning quite a lot. And in that process, I became a student of the Quran. So then when I became a student of the Quran, then I wanted to learn Quran a bit deeper. And I found that that's a very deep ocean. So when I went deep into the Quran, learning Quran, at the same time, I was doing parallelly my medical education. So I got my MBBS degree from Rohana University and then I came to Colombo. I got my diploma in child health and I got my doctorate degree that is MD. So then I went to UK and got my Royal College of Childhood, uh, Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health membership. And, you know, then got another, all, you know, whatever possible degrees I got in, in a medical fields, particularly in pediatrics. Um, and during all these years, I was, uh, I've been a student of the Quran more than everything. So I like to identify myself as a student of the Quran rather than a consultant pediatrician. Uh, because I find that, you know, because the more inspiration I take and the more knowledge I, I take and the more pleasure I get it from the Quran, more, more than the, the work I do. But having said that, now what I found was it's so amazing that the because I'm a student of the Quran, I understand my medical profession very deep and I have a very clear uh, you know, concept of what the medical science is. And I understand it very deep. Similarly, because the background of the medical knowledge, I understand the Quran very deep. So it's kind of synergistic effect that I find. So then I, you know, because this there's a synergistic effect on, on this knowledge of these two uh, area, and it's very is really amazing. And when you when you join these two aspects of knowledge or two streams of knowledge together, that gives you enormous power and inspiration. And uh, you know, it's it's I'm amazed and I'm overwhelmed by this by the Quran and these two. The, the power and the inspiration and the pleasure that these two knowledge can give. It's amazing. Amazing. Doctor, you know what? I, I've always believed, I've always thought that uh, those who are in the medical profession, like doctors, uh, it's sort of for them uh, can be, I mean, doctors especially can have a very high level of Iman. And that's because they study the human anatomy so closely, right? All the complex systems that are running into our body, the way, the minute details, you know, from the little nerve to the cell to the DNA, it's sort of... Uh, you know, it amazes you to the to the to, to about the creation of the Almighty, about how Allah has given so much detail to each and every single thing, and you know, it, it sort of increases your human. And the more you learn about the human body, Absolutely. the more you realize, the yes. more you realize what a, what an amazing, sophisticated system this is. Uh, I know Sheikh Umar told you that he's not going to ask you why you became a doctor, but I will ask you this, doctor: Why why pediatrics? Why specializing in in child? Uh, uh, medicine why oh. why why that you could have been anything else you could have been a you know a heart surgeon anything but why why pediatrics? Yeah, yeah. well the pediatrics was uh, the 
you know, when I was learning and when I became, a, you know, once I graduated, then during my, even during my medical school period, so I loved children, I loved that field. And, you know, at, at times I saw children with a congenital heart, you know, some children born with um, uh, some deformed heart. And then I was always thinking about how you can fix it and all that, you know. So for some reason, it's uh, the, the, the love of children and the fact that I came to know, I learned that the, you know, the foundation for human being is all done and dusted by five years of age, the first five years of age, right? So then the child psychology was so powerful. And if you can, you know, if you can guide a child within the first five years of life and the early childhood period, then you can guide, you know, you can bring a nation, a prosperous nation. So that's the foundation. So it is the, 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 the knowledge of the child, how a child develops, how a child grows, the child psychology, and the, the, the child's brain growth. Say, for example, you know, the child's brain doesn't grow. Now, we, we all, our brain is grown by four years of age. When we are in our mother's womb, our 63% of our brain is grown already. So only 27% is grown for the rest of your life, which is, you know, it, it doesn't grow throughout your life. It grows only for another two, three, four years. So that fact alone made me to think, what is happening here? So there's a huge potential in children. So I wanted to unlock the potentials of the children, and I got interested in that, and that is how I became a pediatrician. And also, having said that... Doctor, I, I would like to... Uh... Yeah, so Doctor, you, you, I would you, like you, to you ask brought you. up uh, a very important point that, you know, because the creation of human being is so powerful, so it, 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 it connects you to Iman and all that. Actually, I always say this. Now, I have, no, I've been to, we all been to Umrah and the mosque and, you know, many places where you have the boost, you feel the Iman boost. But for me, the, the highest, the Iman boost that travels on the rocket is in the operation theater. The first time when I saw, you know, I, that was, you know, eight you know, years ago. Uh, when first time I saw a, a heart surgery where the chest is opened. And once the chest is open, you see what you call the pericardium. The heart is covered, it's beautifully packed, right? So because it's a congenital, you need to operate on the heart. So then what we do, we open the chest and that cover is removed. And then you see a heart. You still, you can't see because the heart is pumping. You know, it, it pumps with the, the there's a cover around that. It's a beautifully packed. It's called peritoneum. Sorry, pericardium. So then you cut that open and you find the heart is pumping. Then to do a surgery, we need to stop the heart, and then you do the surgery and then you put an injection and make the heart work. So when I saw this, the packing, the package, the design, and all that, then you remember Allah is asking you, don't you see? Oh, don't you think and reflect about yourself and what is, you know, how Allah has created you? So many places. So there, these are the signs that direct you towards your Iman, that directs you toward your, you know, Taqwa, the God consciousness. So I started looking at things and looking at the signs that Allah has kept everywhere, all over the, you know, the world. So in the human being. And then that directed me to my Iman, my Taqwa, my God consciousness. 
So th that was really amazing. And then, you know, the more I do that, I more I became uh, a God conscious, I feel. You know, I feel that connection to Allah with the more I learn about the, his design in human being. So that is how I, I got interested in that. Subhanallah, doctor. That's uh, really amazing uh, to listen from you. I, I know that you have, you know, put in a lot of uh, incidents like this in your in your book that you have written about how the Quran has impacted your profession. I, I know that you've written two books in Tamil uh, on this uh, uh, subject. Yeah. Yes. Uh, can you please tell us maybe one incident from your profession which is mind-boggling uh, in terms of your understanding of the Quran? I'm, I'm sure you have many, but what stands out? I mean, there should be one thing, one incident that stands out maybe for us to understand and yeah. see. Uh, because many of us good. don't understand English, uh, I mean, Tamil here. So it, it would be appreciated if you can share one, inshallah. Yeah. Well, there are so many cases, you know, that is, um, there's so many Quranic ayah that made me to think and you know um, amazed me it continues to amaze me right and uh, but one thing i always uh, i i was uh, i was thinking about that now say that in the quran allah says that lahum qulubun la yafqahuna biha so it says that they have the heart but they don't have a deep understanding of it right they don't have a fiqh of it that means so Allah, in, in the Quran, in many places, we find that um, the, uh, the, the, the heart is mentioned as an organ of understanding, right? So then I was thinking, now I was studying about that. So wow, the Quran says that how come it is uh, an organ of understanding? Then I, I went into that research and I found that, you know, that now recently there's a, there's a cardiology uh, uh, unit in the, in in um, Canada in University of Montreal. So there's a new specialty is coming up. You know, we everybody knows about the cardiology, right? Cardiology, everybody knows there are cardiologists. You know, that's the new latest version of cardiology. A new uh, area is called neurocardiology, right? So that means there's a there's a nervous system there's a there's a uh, you know there's a brain basically there's a brain inside the heart now the science has found that so the science says that there's a professor called professor andrew armain from university of montreal he said that there is a brain inside the heart but i can see now he has presented few cases we have seen that we can we can find that you can literally see that heart inside the brain so inside the heart you can see a brain so with that, now we know that with that, we think, you know, and understand. So these things like that. Say now, um, the other thing is, uh, uh, you know, there are so many cases where I find that, you know, I, I find that the Quran, I say, put it this way, the tafsir of some ayahs I learned in, uh, in labor wards, in, in operation theater. That is where I learned the tafsir. For example, I'll give you, I'll give you one example, one case I attended. Once I was in a hospital uh, in London uh, where uh, there was a, you know, a delivery. It was, I was a pediatrician on colon that day, right? So um, there was a very famous, a very a celebrity a footballer. His wife was delivering a baby in a very famous, in a, in a big, um, in, a, in, a, in a hospital. So I was on call on that day. 
and uh, that was a normal thing you know that's a normal pregnancy there were no problem expected and uh, so actually pediatrician was not called in normally a pediatrician will be called in electively to attend a, a delivery sometime but in this case a pediatrician i was a pediatrician that i was not called in but i was on call right so but i was not called in so the story is that now this is a normal delivery there was a very experienced gynecologist attended the delivery so and the, the child the baby is now being delivered right so when the baby is trying to deliver in the birth passage the baby was stuck right now this is you know all facilities are there the best doctors are there and the the, the dad that you know, he was a billionaire right so everything was there but the baby was coming and it is in the in the birth passage it is stuck right so then there is emergency call then they called me also i also went into the team and i was waiting the gynecology was trying to push and they were trying to pull with the forceps and he was dying you know he he did everything possible under the sun to get the baby out of that birth passage he couldn't because the birth passage was not allowing was not opening up so finally what he did was he had to push the baby back and took the baby out through the cesarean section that was the time i remember this quranic ayah you know surah abbas allah says khalaqahu fa qaddarahu thumma sabila yassarahu right so there is a lot of explanation for that but allah says in that context you know in abbas surah abbas he says he created you min nutfatin from that sperm khalaqahu he created um him and qaddarahu and then he determined the entire you know the genome that's another story to talk about the genome is everything is determined that qaddarahu thumma sabila yassaru then he made the passage easy for you so you and me we are here we are talking we are walking we are talking you know because when we came out through the, our mother's passage allah made that passage easy for us so for this baby in spite of everything right now nobody could do that in spite of you know best place the best doctors you know billions of money the passage didn't open so now this child ended up as a brain damaged child because immediately after birth the child uh, had a fit that means the child is brain damaged severely so this is you know the practical version of to see that you know that then i realized oh wow thank god allah made my birth the my passage easy that is why i am walking talking right so that sort of things it it amazes me now when i connect these sort of in, in the incidences and the experience with the quran that is you know that is a hugely the, the impact is huge that that's brilliant uh, doctor i think what's what's more important what's more special is the fact that you you know these ayahs and what they what they mean and because of that you're able to connect them to your profession and sort of make sense of certain things i'm sure just like that these ayahs and these passages of the quran they apply to a lot more walks of life if you really Absolutely. consider them yeah, but every, i think it's, it's every walks of life yes yes and i think it's it's a weakness on our parts that unfortunately even though we call ourselves muslims and we read the quran very few of us comprehend it very few of us understand it we read it for the sawab for the reward 
but we don't like you always say uh, you know why, allah always asks us why don't they ponder over the quran i wish we a lot of us muslims took that question more seriously and you know wanted to learn what the quran says rather than just just read it for thawab you know but it's interesting you you touched the subject of childbirth because uh, let's let's take the conversation forward from there because you specialize in child development you know from an early age we often see uh, doctor that in, even in our community we don't really look at these things very seriously generally in a muslim household you see children are born they're raised we teach them the basics of deen and that's pretty much it we don't really uh, you know uh, give a special attention to the development of the child in any other way i mean we don't consider career paths for them until they are about i don't know 16 17 18 uh, what do you see as as something that's missing from our community doctor something that Absolutely. we don't do enough yes that's a very good question actually you know in our community um the the parenting is not an issue it's not something for for the peoples to learn if you talk about now you, i run some parenting courses right mm. because you know why it is i'm teaching the parenting is this the basis of that parenting teaching is surah luqman surah luqman second ayah sorry second ayin in the entire second ayin in surah luqman is a dialogue between a father and a, and and his son or you know so here there's there's a, a beautiful and amazing principle fundamental principles of parenting is there if you go very deep into each and every word of that ayin you know it is for the superficially you don't, you won't see that but if you go deep into that you will find it right so i went deep into that and then i found that everything i learn in child psychology say for example there are child psychology there are phd is 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 given there are libraries of you know the books written on the child psychology the relationship how they should be handled what is the relationship between the father and the child but that the entire the concept is you know packed in the word ya bunayya right so it's similarly for each and every word uh, and the the, the 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 basic principle is there so when i teach that some people ask me no our parents didn't learn parenting so why should we learn parenting it's a natural instinct that you get right it is not the case actually right then if it is a natural instinct of course we but why allah has uh, has given that the entire passage for us to learn so i said that okay don't learn parenting from me but learn surah luqman that's it right so that's what i'm going to teach you so that is parenting the other thing is now very unfortunately in our society children are not given the due place that they they deserve right they are not respected they are not valued generally you know i'm not i'm talking not in all families but in generally the most importantly their potentials are not unlocked like and they are kind of uh, you know they are they are not given opportunities to to develop say for example now every child now allah has created all of us in a very unique way my your fingerprint is unique our iris is unique the brain is unique even 7 billion unique people right so it's all unique our soul is unique right so why we are all individually unique allah expect us to do something in this world right 
Allah says that uh, you know, he created you from earth and then he wanted us to cultivate that place, to do something to that place, to make the earth a better place. So what is my contribution? What is your contribution to that? Because my contribution should be different from your contribution because you are unique with your own fingerprint and I am unique. Everyone is unique. So the problem is now Allah didn't create junk, right? His creation is the design is so powerful. We all have the best brain. But the problem is just because we all have the best brain, our children, all children are having a best brains. But unless that is used properly, that is become useless. It's like a it's like a mango seed. Say, take a mango seed. The mango seed is packed with potential. Potential to what? Potential to grow, to and to bear fruits, right? But we need to do something for that. Just because we keep the mango fruit on high and dry, it's not going to, you know, produce that effect. First thing is we need to understand the potential of the mango seed and plant it right so we need to plant it we need to bury that in this the soil then only it will grow so similarly all children have that potential to grow and develop and bear fruits but the problem is our parents our families they are not giving the right environment and they are not planting that uh, potential uh, at that seed for that seed to grow very unfortunately because the people, a lot of parents don't know how to do that, right? Because they underestimate. Now, as I say that, you know, a four-year-old child has a similar size of brain, 100% of the brain like me today. Say in a 50-year-old 50 adult brain size and a four-year-old size, adult brain, uh, adult, sorry, a four-year-old child's brain size is both the same. Can you believe that, right? So that we need to understand. Would you would you say, doctor, that maybe as parents, unlike back in the day, we have become overprotective, we pamper our children too much? Is that the case? Is that, is that what you're trying to that imply? Is, that is one reason, but there are so many reasons. One thing is I find that now we don't have the proper understanding of the children, right? We need to know the anatomy. We need to know how the brain grows. Say, for example, you know, the, 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 the child psychology, how to empower children, how to make them you know, to uh, make them to uh, grow with a confidence and with a purpose to life. Um, you know, say, for example, I'll tell you. Now, now you know, a one-year-old child, now they say the personality and the leadership and, and things like that, right? So if you want a 20-year-old child, a 20-year-old person, a man, to become a leader with a personality, with the, you know, with the confidence and all that, so for that, to, for the man to become that 20-year-old confident man, at 15-year-old, he need to reach a, 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 a stage. So 10-year-old, he, he should have reached a stage. So at one-year-old, when he was one-year-old, he should reach a stage where he should be very confident doing what is expected at one year. Right? At what is expected at one year, you independently walk. You independently eat, actually, you know. You take a biscuit and eat. You put a, you take a, a piece of meat or the chicken or, or fish or you know, chips and 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 eat independently. So that is the confident or that is the personality. That is the development that a child at one year old should do. But what we our parents do, even at I have seen ten year old children are fed with the with the food. 
So then when do you get the, the personality and the development? I saw the other day, one day, a 15-year-old, he was scared to go on an escalator. In a, I saw a family, there's a 10, 15, I think it's about 14, 15-year-old boy in a, in a young family. He was scared to, it was in, uh, I think in somewhere in the, I saw in in, a, in a one of in Sri Lanka in one of a, a cities in a shopping complex somewhere. Okay. Mm. Right. <laughs> so he is scared to go on an escalator, right? Mm. So this is the person who is supposed to be landing on the moon in three years' time, <laughs> but now that is the society is doing. That is the other society is doing. But our children, fifteen-year-old, they're scared to go on an escalator. Why? Because this is how. You know, we have not given that opportunity for the children to thrive and build the confidence. So the, the, the parents need a lot of child psychology, a lot of parenting. It's absolutely indicated, I think. I think, I think uh, from what you're saying, doctor, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but at least my deduction from this is that I think as parents, we've sort of misunderstood the meaning of freedom. Okay, so what we want to really do is we want to empower children to do better, but we mistake that saying, okay, if we give the child too much freedom, maybe, you know, in, in Tamil, we have a saying, you know, they, he, you might give him, you might make him lose his way. So I guess, I guess that's something that parents struggle with the understanding between the two, giving freedom and empowering a child are two different things. And Sheikh Omar, I'm going to give you this opportunity to, to ask because I know you've been waiting to speak to him, but I will tell you this though. From listening to a little bit that the doctor has spoken so far, I now understand why you hold him in such high regard. <laughs> of course, uh, definitely holding a lot of regard for him because uh, he has inspired us a lot. In fact, uh, you know, with his teachings and and stuff like that, a lot of things that we learn from uh, in terms of our faith also gets validated because of those of that you know current scientific perspective that he gives us. That is something that which is very special that I see from doctor. I would like to also ask you um, something very uh, concerning and something which I want to learn from you. Uh, I know that you have done a lot of work in this regard in terms of child development and stuff like that. Uh, you've established a few initiatives and stuff like that. What do you? What have you done, or what do you plan to do for the community, the local community, uh, in terms of raising awareness? And how do you wish? How how do you work around this, you know, to change the landscapes, maybe to create more awareness and and make people understand about the importance of this? What can we do, and how have you done it? What's your experience behind it, Doctor? That's that's a very good point. Um, actually, my objective is that for the last 10 years, I'm very much into that is I promote wisdom parenting. The wisdom parenting is the word, the wisdom is the word that I took it from the Quran because the Quran talks about Surah Luqman. Luqman is a man with wisdom. So why he, this man was, you know, given that high regard in, in the Quran? There's a chapter named after his name, right? The, in the Quran, in the ayah, the word Luqman is there a few times. And, you know, you recite that his name in the, in, in the prayers. Why? Is he a prophet? No. Is he a son of prophet? No. Is a, you know, anything related to the prophets and any profile? Can you imagine any profile to this man? No. I was reading the Ibn Kathir uh, Tafsir. And in, in that, uh, you know, Ibn Kathir, he says that he's a, He's a black man, he's a carpenter, you know, but he's very, he, he doesn't have a big profile. But why this higher place? You know why? 
that is the place given to fatherhood not for a father for the fatherhood we all are fathers anybody can become a father it's easy you you have no contribution to become a father you just you know you uh, you know that's the mother delivered of course the uh, you know you 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 have a 50% contribution but all the pain was <laughs> you know was for the mother and finally the labor pain and she delivered everything she contributed she sacrificed but you just we do the easy part <laughs> it's easy became father the fatherhood is given to you but the fatherhood is not given to you. you that you earn right so that's called responsible fatherhood so that is exactly what we need to learn the responsible fatherhood and then sharp motherhood so my objective through the wisdom parenting program which i'm i'm building an institution for that and i'm trying to work on that and uh, you know i have already conducted so many couples now, even now as we speak that i have about 50 uh, parents following online this course um, you know so it's a it's a wisdom parenting that uh you know that teaches you that guide you to become a, a responsible with a responsible fatherhood and sharp motherhood the motherhood needs to be sharp the mothers make lot of sacrifice but we need sharp motherhood like you know uh, uh like uh, imam shafi imam shafi was not a born imam shafi he was born he was a, when he was born he was baby shafi not imam shafi then he was a toddler shafi then he was a boy shafi then he was a teenager shafi so how this boy shafi teenager shafi became imam shafi because the mother his mother was the sharp mother she migrated from uh, you know gaza to madina at that time oxford and cambridge harvard everything was in madina so she she migrated there number of you know uh, the camel days she traveled and the sharp mother had a project plan and a, you know mentoring system she she worked and then she made the imam made the boy shafi imam shafi so that is my message is through this wisdom parenting i need the responsible fatherhood and the sharp motherhood in a in a in a in a beautiful nuclear family unit uh, environment you know this because the family unit the quran talks about the family unit right so i am very interested in building that family unit you know this the there was very interesting um, in that child in that psychology the one quranic ayah i was so amazed by that ayah i think i would like to tell you that this in the context of the family and the child rearing you know in the growing and the family context quran talks about two types of families okay one family is the ibadul rahman family right surah furqan talks about you know that's a premier league group allah talks about ibadul rahman there are so many characteristic features of them so that's a premier league team right among the uh, you know uh, ibad of allah so in one of the, the the their qualities their characters and what you see them is they in that quran the one that ayah says now you know that ayah rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyyatina qurrata ayun so these ibadur rahman will ask and will seeking will go for the families that is cool to the eyes right very cool families very cool beautiful families so that is a cool family described in the quran for ibadur rahman 
there's another family described you know that that's so amazing i was honestly if you understand that aya and the family setting that we know it's so amazing in both sense in the scientific sense and psychological sense that is in surah ankabut allah says uh, in surah ankabut uh, it says mathalul ladina takhadu min dunillahi ka mathalil ankabut right the examples of those people who don't follow the prescription of allah right is like a spider right so why allah is bringing a spider to show the people's lifestyle right uh, the people lifestyle that that don't follow the allah's prescription mathalul ladina takhadu min dunillahi awliya ka mathalil ankabut ittakhadat baitan the female spider not ittakhadat baitan ittakhadat baitan that means the female spider build the uh, the web ittakhadat baitan then allah says inna indeed awhanal buyut the weakest of the home la baitul indeed definitely right the baitul ankabut it's a it's a home of uh, the spider laukaru ya'lamun if you are knowledgeable you understand that see when when after saying this allah allah finishing it with another condition the condition is yes i'm giving you an example here but for you to understand that example you should be knowledgeable now i see many tafsir i have read and you know i have listened and all that people think that you know but there's not much of a description about that but people think that yeah yeah i mean you know if you see the spider web you can just remove it with your hand and just it blow away so it's a it's a weakest home right so so what is there but you, do you think that allah will bring a such a very simple example to the quran no if he brings an example to the quran there is a, there's a, there's lots of things behind that it's not just a simple thing so now come back to science you know that what is the strongest material on the face of the earth the nylon. strongest material <laughs> on the face of the earth is spider web okay you can just google it and find out now the strongest material on the face of the earth is the spider web right the steel can be a tensile strength is you know say if you take a one foot steel you can make it to two feet but if you take a one foot um uh, spider web the fiber you can stretch it to six feet right oh. and if you have a one uh, uh inch diameter say rope made up of uh, spider web you can hang a double decker flight with that and the the bulletproof uh jackets are made up of spider web in a in a industrial uh you know level to, due to some gene techniques which i know there are wow. farms for that right so the strongest material on the face of the earth you know if you go if you google if you youtube the the big busters the spider web test that you know in the usa there's a big busters you do a lot of tests very interesting programs you google that big busters spider web uh you know tensile test then you'll find that is the most strongest material on the face of the earth so the problem here is allah allah doesn't know the science then because allah has said that this is the weakest home but the weakest home he says but he's that is the home built with the strongest material on the face of the earth 
But Allah says that is the weakest home. Why? That is where we have to think. That is where the thinking and reflection come. That is why uh, unless you are knowledgeable, you won't understand Allah said this. You know what happens here? There are, there are a few things here. One is, yes, the spider web is the strongest house that you can ever build. Right? But who builds this house? The mother. The female spider. There's a, there's a the spider called black widow. Right? If the name is a black widow, because it's always a widow. So she builds that spider. There's no contribution from the father. She builds on, his, on her own. She's the boss in that place. The father, there's no motherhood there. There's a mother there, but there's no motherhood there. Right? The father comes to that spider web just for mating. He has no contribution in building that house, in building that home. So he comes for mating. And then after the mating, you know what happens? The black widow will, if the black widow is hungry, they will, you know, uh, kill the uh, husband and eat. So there's wow. no understanding between them. There's no love between them. There's no contribution, mutual understanding between them. There's fight going on, friction going on, right? And then what happens? The the the, the spider, you know, delivers uh, spiderlings. The spiderlings, when they are hungry, they get onto the mother and eat. So there's no understanding between the mother and the father, parents and the children, right? So it's a chaotic house. There's no love. There's no respect. There's no understanding. There's no fatherhood. There's no motherhood. There's no concept of home. So that sort of house, you have a you have a strong house, but your home is weak. This is the example of the weakest home. So this is beautiful. So what I we are trying to say to the community was, okay, let's build the the cool home that Allah describes as Ibadur Rahman, not the spider's weakest home. So what? How can you make the difference? The difference comes with your responsible fatherhood, your sharp motherhood, based on your wisdom parenting. This is this is amazing. I'm actually blown away by that example. I remember hearing it before from from Dr. Bilal Asad, but it, it has kept my mind. And now that you remind me, it again you know amazes me as to what a brilliant example Allah gives. There. And you're right. There is the massive difference between a house and a home anyone can build a house but building yeah. a home requires requires effort it requires fatherhood and motherhood like you said sheikh omar we've spoken about 50 minutes i haven't felt the time pass by uh, perhaps we should get some advice from the doctor and wrap it up what do you say yeah that's that should be good that should be good uh, doctor i would like to uh, ask you uh, one question here that you know there is a lot of youngsters a lot of young people who are who who are pursuing a career in their lives and and you know different walks of life maybe an engineer a doctor or or whatever they want to be in their lives uh, one thing that we need to have is we need people like you we need people who are inspired by the teachings of the quran and who can inculcate the quran within their lives and you know we need people who work for community benefit for the society uh, with a lot of passion Right. That is what we ultimately need, because there is a huge vacuum in the community. Uh, we don't find a lot of people, a lot of young people 
giving back to the community with their knowledge, with what they have learned. And, and, and we also see a lot of them, they don't have this understanding of the Quran or the religion because they think it's something that, you know, maybe something which is archaic and which does not, which is not relevant to today's time. How would you, what advice would you give a young person like that pursuing a career? Uh, how would you, what would you tell him uh, perhaps to maybe resonate to your feeling uh, as to how you've become a doctor who is inspired by the teachings of the Quran and also in the meantime, giving back to the community with all the knowledge that you've learned. What advice would you give? Yeah, that's really good. You know, um, now the, um, now what in my experience, you know, um, the problem here is now very unfortunately, uh, we have now there's a dichotomy in learning, right? Now, people think that if you learn the knowledge, the contemporary knowledge, right? if you learn the contemporary knowledge, that is the knowledge of, you know, say dunya, people say that is the knowledge of dunya. And uh, then if you learn the revealed knowledge, then people say that is a knowledge of deen, right? But I think there's a dichotomy in that. So what I feel is, right, when I learned medicine, I became more God conscious, right? And I see that it's Allah who asked me to think and reflect about your body. Now, how can you think and reflect about your body without you knowing your body, right? So the learning medicine becomes the request by Allah to think and reflect your body, right? So similarly, Allah is asking, now, why don't you look at the birds? How is it flying? So learn about aerodynamics, right? And then he is asking, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, Allah says, why don't you look at the stars, right? Why don't you look at those stars? You repeatedly look at those stars. You get you become tired of it because it's so beautiful and so enormous, right? So now what we have done, we have left the looking at the stars. Do you think that just looking at the stars, you see anything? No, you need to go to the sky and get the Hubble, you know, go to the telescope and, you know, look at the, the, the stars through the Hubble telescope in the, in, in the, um, you know, space. So, that means that is our job to do. It's, it's inspired by the Quran. So we have to do that. So I feel, you know, that actually, you know, in my home, I have a small, um, you know, the telescope to look at the stars. Whenever I look at the stars, I always think that, ya Allah, oh, my master, my Rab, in, the, in Surah Mulk, you asked me to look at the stars, I'm looking at the stars now. I'm following you. You asked me to pray, I'm praying. You asked me to do Hajj, I did the Hajj. You asked me to fast, I'm fasting. You asked me to look at the uh, stars, I bought the telescope and looking at the stars. And it's so amazing and so beautiful. Thank you, Allah. Subhanaka, Ya Rabb. Right? So this inspiration, who is going to give this inspiration? Why we have given it to others as if it is not none of our business? Why? Why? It's the Quran. Allah is asking us to do that. But we think that, no, this is nothing with us. No, let's forget about that. Let There are people to do that. Right? Why? Then again, 
Allah is asking in the Suratul Mulk again, why don't you, have you seen the, the, the birds flying? So who is looking at the birds? Bird watching programs, who is doing that? Do we have, are we teaching that in our curriculum, in our madrasa curriculum? Why don't we do that? But Allah is asking us to do that. So inspired by that. So actually I have a group of, you know, I teach a group of 25 now uh, teenagers. I teach Quran to them. And in two weeks time, we are going on a, a bird watching expedition because the, the purpose is to learn the tafsir of that ayah, not from home, from from uh, we are going to a royal society of bird production uh, protection there's a there's an area where you can uh, watch uh, bird watching i'm going to go there why allah is asking us to go there right so this is you know like similarly every field allah is inspiring us to do that to do this and study research work why are we not doing that and the other day you know when i was teaching or learning surah naba allah says Allah says that we made the earth like a mother's lap, right? I was thinking, just imagine what a beautiful explanation is that. That the earth is, um, now I always think that in a medical aspect. Now say for example, Allah says the earth is, for a, for a baby, mother's lap is the best place, most comfortable place. Everything you get in that place. So Allah has made the earth uh, for us like that. Then I always think this way. I say, for example, now in our body, we carry a hemoglobin, a blood that is HbA1. We say that hemoglobin A, right? That can only carry 21% oxygen, right? But the earth, we have 21% oxygen. So see how beautiful it is, right? How amazing it is. If it is 22%, we can't live. If it is 20%, we can't live. It is 21%. Similarly, it's so much. Then I was the other day, you know, it was about three weeks ago, I was attending a funeral and then I was talking to one engineer who is, uh, is an ex expert in gas uh, under the uh, earth. And he was talking about a liquid nitrogen gas, LNG, right? Then he was, when I was listening to him, then I realized, oh my God, this sea, for us to live, we need gas to live on the earth and to, you know, for the energy. So Allah has put the reverse of this, uh, you know, gas uh, thing. Now he was talking about how it is there, how you can get it and, you know, this fracking and, you know, there's so much of technical words he used. And I was thinking, oh my God, all these years I was thinking about the medically how Allah has made this earth like this mother's lap. But when you think on an engineering perspective, on a gas perspective, then you find it in a different way. So it's so amazing. So what I'm trying to say is that they, they, we need to remove this dichotomy, right? Now we need to show them that every field is Allah wants us to be the master in that field. We have to be, you know, to excel in that field. So that's the inspiration. So now when I learn medicine, you know, the, what, the, the, the most important inspiration, the drive that I have is to learn is the Quran. So for, and Sunnah, Rasulullah says, It's important to seeking knowledge is for every Muslim is important. For how long? It, does, it didn't say for how long. It's lifelong. 
the other day, you know, Richard Branson, the Virgin boss, he was saying that the one of the success, the, the reason for his success is that he was continuously learning. Right? So the Quran is asking us to learn. Sunnah Rasul is asking us to learn. So why are we not learning? Right? So that's the message we need to give to the young fellows. You know, in that process, even now, I'm, you know, even at these 55 years, I'm I'm a student in, uh, you know, London University in a caste business school. I'm learning uh, and I'm following an MBA, two years MBA program. Now I'm learning, you know, leadership and management. Um, so I'm learning quite a lot of psychology in human psychology, in management and leadership and all that. So this is so amazing. So these things are very important to have a deeper understanding of the Quran. So these, I would say now, you know, before we, I think maybe time is short, but I, I want to tell you one thing. The other day, it was about two, four years ago, I was delivering a lecture in Oxford University uh, on, uh, on the topic of uh, role of contemporary medical science in the deeper understanding of the Quran. That was, you know, that's very, a, a topic that's very close to my heart. At the end of that lecture, one and a half hours lecture from the audience, somebody, I don't know, maybe a non-Muslim, I don't know whether Muslim or non-Muslim, he asked me a question. He said, he asked me, what inspiration Quran gives for scientific research and human development? That was his question. It's a very intelligent question. Then that was the time I was talking about the, you know, the, the, heart, the, the brain inside the heart. And I told him, I, I quoted uh, Professor Andrew Armour and said that, you know, this Professor Andrew Armour is saying that he has found some nervous tissues and the nerves in the uh, heart, which is a very specialized kind of nervous. It's not like the brain inside this, but it's a very specialized. And I showed some slides, some you know, slides of that nervous system and some ganglions and all that is there. So and told him that, you know, we, we have seen so far this much. We couldn't go deep into that. Even that professor was saying that I only scratched the surface of that brain. I couldn't go deep into that because I don't have the facilities to do the research. Then I told him that it, the Quran gives the inspiration, saying that you think and you understand deeper if you use your heart. So in, in, in other words, there is a brain inside the heart. And Andrew Armour says that I have scratched the surface you guys in Oxford go deep into that and find out. That's the inspiration Quran gives you for your learning and for human development. Make that, make use of that knowledge to understand things broader and more deeper for human development and human advancement. So, you know, that was the reply that I gave in that Oxford University lecture that I gave. That is amazing. I think you've hit the nail on the head, doctor, when you say that we need to get rid of this dichotomy where we separate the knowledge of the deen and the dunya. Where I think every, I think we established that right at the beginning when you said that, you know, every walk of life, every profession, you know, connects us to the Quran and Allah instructs us Absolutely. to go and learn about the, you know, travel the world, learn about it, look at it. There's so much to learn. You talked about stars, you talked about astronomy. It, it's amazing. It just, it's, it's mind blowing how every little thing, can be connected to Adin. Sheikh Omar, any closing remarks before we uh, thank the doctor? <laughs> of course, I, I just had to say that the doctor was uh, very correct when he said that there is a dichotomy in the community in terms of you know, religious knowledge and worldly knowledge. I would like to state that uh, I've been always preaching this to the community and telling people mm -hmm. that, you know, and you're also doing, you're also mentality. doing that at Zamzam Foundation, aren't you? The Zamzam Academy. I yeah, think you're sort yeah, of yeah. Bring, we're doing a lot bridging, of work on that. that. 
that regard, mm. bridging that. Perhaps what I should state is that, you know, when you go back to, uh, I mean, 300 to 400 years back, we don't see this existing. But lately, over the maybe the past century, we've seen a lot of issues yeah. in terms of, you know, this gap between the worldly knowledge and uh, the, the knowledge of the afterlife. And we've perhaps separated it totally and said that, you know, that is not for people who are concerned of the akhirah and this is not for people, uh, you know, we, we've completely separated both these things. But I would state that, you know, Imam Shafi, rahimahullah, his classification is, is something very nice for us to pursue and see, you know, he says that when you take knowledge as a whole, there is two kinds of knowledge. One is the knowledge of the body and the knowledge of the soul, right? Either way, uh, you know, we are all learning to either give comfort to the body, right? That is to give comfort to your life in this world. If you're an engineer, you maybe you, 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 you create something, you, you know, you innovate something that is to perhaps give comfort to the body. And on the other side, there are sciences uh, where you give comfort to the soul, right? So either way, if you, if you, you know, relate that knowledge uh, and have the right intention to seek it and perhaps, uh, you know, relate the Quran and the teachings of our religion within it, you perhaps become a person, by default, you become a person who seeks the pleasure of Allah seeking it. And perhaps you become someone who, uh, you know, who is doing an act of worship because you have the right intention and you're doing it the right way. So I think we need to go back to our basics, which the Prophet taught us back in the time. The Prophet never ever differentiated that this is separate and, and, and the worldly knowledge that is separate and you know the knowledge of the afterlife is separate. So we need to get back to our basics. That is where our basis Perhaps I should say that this is one of the plots of, you know, the enemies of Islam to differentiate it so that Muslims Absolutely. as a community, we fall down. We, we, we don't, we are not able to rise up, right? So I think if we need to grow as a community, we need to come out of it. Because when you see most of the innovations in the, in the past uh, 300 years ago, before 300 years ago, perhaps, we see that they were created by Muslims and then it slowly passed down in the name of the, the Westerners. They used that technology that was created, innovated by the Muslims, and they used it for their own advantage. While the Muslims, the, their yeah. names are hidden, they, we do not know what who created what. Right. So in that context, yeah. if we want to become strong, politically strong, socially strong as a community, I think we need to go back to our basics, just like how we were back in the yeah. time, during the time I of the Prophet and afterwards. Just to add a few things to what Sheikh Omar said, um, you know, that if you go back to, yes, about this, the dichotomy started about two, three hundred, three, four hundred years ago. Right. And then because there's a history behind that, of course, there's a reason behind that. You know, um, up until during the golden age, from uh, up until uh, 1450, you know, 1500, uh, in the, the the when the Andalusia was the the Spain was um, uh, flourishing, um, that is when you know all this both knowledge was under one roof, right? And there is now, if you see that the history, if you learn history. The, the the entire the Muslim contribution and that um, the civilization is blacked out now. They, there's a blackout in that time, but anyway. But you know, now I was doing some research on that because I got interested in that history because I I knew that because of this the power of the Quran, right? The power of the Quran, the community, the Islam 
and the, the, the civilization uh, emerged and the Muslims and Islam was able to give leadership and the guidance and the, the prosperity for the humanity, right? So what I did was about, about two years ago, actually from London, I was driving, I drove to Andalusia. It was about nearly it's a journey of 5,000 kilometers for about 10 to about two weeks. I drove with my family just to see the place and to see what happened. That was a kind of, of my holiday, but that was the only holiday I cried. You don't cry in, on a holiday, right? You go on a holiday to, to enjoy and to, you know, uh, to spend time with the family. Yes, I did. But when I went to um, uh, Kurutuba, Kurutuba, you know, Kurutuba, Kodama, there was a yeah. mosque in that Kurutuba, mm. beautifully built, right? The beautifully built mosque. 30,000 people could pray. When was it? When it was 1,000 years ago. 30,000 people could pray. The, the, the area was paved with the beautiful stones. You know that in, in London city was, the paving was done in London city 600 years after Kurduba, right? So that was, this London was backward. 600 years after the, uh, the Kurduba city was paved, the London city was paved, see? So when I went there to the mosque, to see the mosque, the huge mosque, there's no Muslims there now. Now it's about 6,000, 10,000, some Muslims are, you know, by name, their people are there. Uh, but here and there, like, you know, in any Europe country, you'll see these Muslims. But those days, can you imagine 30,000 people could gather in that mosque? In yet, this was built in uh, nine, it's about more than 1,000 years ago, right? Beautiful. Even now, the architecture is amazing, right? Now, even there, they say in, in, in the, the pillars, the La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, it's all, um, all, all written there in, in stone. And but unfortunately, within that pillar, there's a pillar with that, uh, it's written in stone, but inside, under that, you have a, 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 a Jesus uh, statue, right? So that is what the situation now. So there's an area where you, you can see. But when I went there and I was trying to, I thought of, you know, I've seen that and I, I thought of praying. But then the security guard said, no, he hold, held my, and I said, no, this is not the place to pray. This is only, this is only museum, right? He said that this is not a mosque, this is a museum. So when I was about to pray, he held me and said, this is not a mosque, this is a museum. Then I started crying. Then my daughter came and said, why did I cry? Now she, she realized that why I'm crying. And she said, don't worry, Dada. So one day you might, it might come back as a mosque again. The museum might turn out to be a mosque. So even whether you are there or not, but if we continue to do the works that we all do, do and continue to do, and one day this museum will turn out to be a mosque. So if we, are, if we keep this dichotomy forever, our mosques will become museum in future. So if you don't want our mosques become museum, what we should do is, get rid of this curse of this dichotomy and get these two knowledge, knowledge of the context and the knowledge of the text together, then that synergistic effect will bring a prosperity to humanity. That, that, that's, that's amazing. I mean, what we've lost, uh, you know, from the golden ages is, is beyond words. I, I don't think anyone can do justice to the fact that to, to sort of mention how much we've lost and how much could have been done. It reminds me of, of, of one sheikh who told me that 
you know, he, he had gone to Chile in South America. And uh, they, they went there on some dawah work during their time in Madrasa. And uh, they were invited there to, I think, lead Taraweeh or something like that. And they were taken to a few uh, areas where there are supposedly Muslims, namesake Muslims living there. So they went there and they started talking to a few people. And they said, you know what, uh, uh, how much do you know about Islam? They just randomly asked some questions. And uh, so they started reciting Surah Fatiha to them and said, uh, do you recognize this? They said, yeah, we, we, apparently they said, you know, this, this music sounds memorable. This music sounds, uh, sounds familiar. We remember our grandparents used to, used to sing something like this, apparently. And when they went to their homes, they saw that, uh, you know, there were statues of Jesus and there were, there were all kinds of pictures and idols in, in the home. So they had Muslim names. They had, you know, they had the family history of Muslims. And it turns out some of them, unfortunately, some of them were descendants of, of, of Sahabas. Uh, some of the descendants of Sahabas who went to Islamic Spain in Andalusia, and then when 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 the, the when Spain was expunged of Muslims and they were all chased away, some of them there was a huge group of Muslims that took the boat and ended up in Spain. And unfortunately, because they had to flee, they lost a lot. You know, children were separated from parents, and these were children who just ended up somewhere in, in Chile, and you know they grew up not knowing anything about the Deen. Mm. So it's not just the, the 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 physical the architecture that we lost, but we also lost a whole lot of spirituality Absolutely. among the Muslims. It's, it's so sad. I mean, I was very sad when I heard that story and the Sheikh who told me, he was also crying when he told me, like, Swami, this is the this is the situation of Muslims around the world and here we are thinking, okay, you know what, Islam is the number one, uh, you know, the most fastest spreading religion in the world. He said, don't be fooled by that. There's a lot more work to be done. You know, you and I, like you said, doctor, every one of us has a responsibility to be able to learn first and then, and then teach the deen to the right people. Uh, anyway, I think we've spoken for over one hour, 10 minutes. Alhamdulillah, there's a lot of wonderful comments coming on our YouTube. I have to tell you, I think apparently Facebook and WhatsApp are all down right now in Sri Lanka. None of them seem to be working. So our live is not going on Facebook. It's going only on YouTube. But even on then, Alhamdulillah, there's quite a few uh, comments which are very, very complimentary, which are very positive. People want to go back and listen to this. So I think what we'll do is, Sheikh, once it's, once it's done, we'll uh, download it and then upload it on our Facebook Facebook page for the people to benefit of it, inshallah. No, thankfully, thankfully, we have this option in StreamYard where we can restream something that we've already recorded. So what I'll do is, okay. uh, once it's all, all back tomorrow, maybe we can schedule another live, uh, which will go maybe tomorrow evening at the same time, so that people who lost uh, who could not watch this on facebook they can, maybe they can watch it again inshallah inshallah having said that i want to you know give my sincere gratitude and thanks to dr raiz mustafa thank you dr jazakallah khair bella reward you abundantly for taking your time out and sharing these beautiful uh, messages of uh, you know positivity messages of influence and why we must you know really you know roll our sleeves up and get up become better at what we are and you know, like you said, we've all got a massive responsibility. Any any parting words that you'd like to say before we close up? Well, I think I, I remember Yusuf Alayhi Salam. You know, uh, okay. just I will just tell you know, a couple of things about that. And yes, then inshallah, we'll end it with that then. Inshallah. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Now, you know, in Yusuf Alayhi Salam's story, the the Surah Yusuf talks about the entire the story of Surah, uh, Yusuf Alayhi Salam, and um, so we know the history. So there are two things that we need to uh, think of. Um, he had in his life the lowest position in his life. That was when he was in the prison. In the well. Mm. Oh, in the, the prison. prison. Okay. Okay. So the well, but he was that's only a few days. And then he came out. And but in the, the prison, that is anybody in the prison, of course, the lowest position, isn't it? In life. 
And then he was the highest position in his life that as a, a treasury chief of Egypt, where he was, you know, he controlled the entire finance and uh, he as a non-Muslim country, right? Remember that. Uh, that is not a Muslim country, but he is a non-Muslim country, but he was the chief finance minister and he contributed to nation building there and made the, uh, the, the you know, he contributed to poverty alleviation and all that. Now, these are two different positions, the lowest position and the highest position, right? Now, see, there are people around him, look at him, right? And then they make some, you know, uh, assumptions as to how this person, what this person is. Now, in when he was in the prison, the two boys surrounded by him, because they also were the prisoners there, so the one fellow had a dream and he was asking to interpret that dream, right? So for that, you know, he was saying, you know, before he asked to interpret that the dream, he says that, Inna So we saw you, you know, why we are asking to interpret this dream is because I see, we see you, right, as somebody who excel things who do things very excellent way. You are not a very, you know, a, a random, you're not a random guy. You are not somebody who is very, you know, um, how do you say, it's, you know, just take it for granted. And, you know, no, you're not that sort of guy. You are very serious. You are very, you are, you, are you, you strive for excellence. Everything you do is excellent. So what can you do in this prison? Is there anything else? You, you have nothing much to do in prison, isn't it? So you can bathe, you can go to the toilet, you can eat, you can talk to the people, surrounded by two, three people. What else you can do? Nothing. Right? So within that few things he did, he made an impact to the people surrounded by him. Right? So he made an impact so that they felt that this man is doing things very in an excellent way, right? So that is why they were asking his advice. So that is in the lowest position. But now, say fast forward a few years, and he becomes the highest position. So now there's brothers who put him on in the well. They are coming to beg, you know, coming with a begging bowl to get some food from him. And he said, the brothers, they are saying at that point, you know, we have come all the way from there. Now we need some and some uh, provisions and all that. Then before they say that, they say that, you know, they, they, the brother said, Inna naraka minal the same word, Inna naraka minal. So we saw you, somebody who is very, doing things very in an excellent way. So whether you are in the lowest position, doing nothing to do, you maintain your excellent, that, you know, the, 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 that the value in you, right? And the way you carry on, the way you carry yourself, right? Whatever the situation, you are very excellent way. You know, this is a remarkable way. And but in that highest position, also he did that in a remarkable way. So the take-home message is right, it is not the situation, whatever the situation, you become valuable to your marketplace. That is amazing, Dr. Raiz, Dr. Raiz Mustafa. Jazakallah khair. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor listening from you. And I hope that we can do it more often. 
and i hope that everyone who had the pleasure of listening to him will realize what an asset he is to our community unfortunately he is not here in sri lanka for us to benefit from him more but i hope that when he does come down inshallah by the time uh, all these uh, pandemic madness will go away and we'll be able to host him physically inshallah for an event inshallah. at solhive uh, shaykh umar yusuf parting words from you or shall we wrap this up you're on mute we can wrap this up inshallah absolutely will be uh, good to host him in person definitely will look forward to it inshallah uh, when he's back so and when the covid situation settles yeah. i used to come every uh, month to sri lanka but unfortunately <laughs> since the covid hit uh, i'm stuck here in london unfortunately until then we have technology through which inshallah we'll try yeah, and keep inshallah. in touch as much as possible so thank you uh, dr raiz mustafa jazakallah khair jazakallah khair sheikh umar yusuf and jazakallah khair to everyone who watched i hope you really got inspired i definitely did you know the way i'm going to think about things from now on i'm going to be very different and inshallah i've been inspired to sort of learn as much quran as possible so that i can connect it with my with my daily activities yeah. inshallah yes samir i can just tell you that allah promises you that it is easy to do that walaqad yassarna alquran lizikr fahal min mudakkir allah says repeatedly is easy very easy because mm-hmm. i i didn't go to any madrasa but i know i can uh i learned my arabic i learned my quran and it's it's easy because allah opens you make he'll give you a lot of baraka in your time in baraka in your health and he'll give you baraka in your money in your work yeah. and you know i don't know i can't explain this baraka is something that you can't explain it's not quantifiable i guess absolutely <laughs> absolutely so i'm sure that you can do that inshallah not only you inshallah. everybody could do that if i can do that everybody could do that I guess what it takes is determination and and sincerity I suppose anyways Absolutely. I think we we'll have to end it here it's been 1 hour and 20 minutes I will inshallah leave you to jazakallah khair for watching and listening and uh, contributing we will see you all again inshallah on another episode of the buzz it might be a bit late uh, but we'll try and have it as soon as possible until then we hope you stay safe remember we're still in the middle of a pandemic it's not completely over so just because things have opened up please don't go crazy stay safe you know wear mask maintain social distancing get vaccinated at the earliest possible time and uh, please remember this humble team of soul hive in your sincere duas until we meet again next time jazakallah khairan assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam jazakallah khair